you are listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rose. Each week, we design new decks for tournament play, and then we put our creations to the test so we can share our findings on the air. What worked, what didn't, and what can improve for the following builds. On today's episode, more than Cape and look at the results from one of the most important cards from Streets of New Campena, Lenser Shredder. Not only starting its past results, but also possible shells for the bird that has still left unshredded. Will they find a permanent home for this bird for Pioneer or in Modern? You need to find out. Faithless Brewing. I'm your host, Dan Schriever, also known as Cave Dan Online. I'm joined today from Argentina by my dear friend, Emmy Sagasti. Emmy, welcome. Dan, thanks so much for your kind words. No, I can't do this. No, this is... Before we go any forward, I'm going to give some insight today, people, to the Unfortunate souls that have no idea what they're walking into. Dan has gone down an ASMR magic rabbit hole. I arrived today to the squadcast to find a man opening booster packs to the swift, swift sound of ASMR. You, you, you are not prepared for what I have faced today. And it's a beauty to behold Dan's new passion. There's a certain magic to the crinkle of a booster pack. Put it right next to the microphone. Give me that sweet, sweet crisp. Oh, yes! Look at those. those. Are those the... Are those the... Pity booster packs? The only booster packs I own are the... The courtesy ones they sent to you from the Pro Tour. <laughs> I just mashed them open. They, they, they lasted me like four hours. Oh, yes. The crisp. The crisp is so good. So hello and welcome Faithless everybody. After dark. <laughs> hello, welcome. Hello and welcome everybody to what's happening when we keep recording at 2.15 a.m. My small amount of sanity goes out the window and then goes really <laughs> deep into ASMR. So prepare for some fun shenanigans for this. I hope less than one an hour and a half episode. <laughs> Most of the listeners, at least the, the, the 10 who are still with us after five minutes of this nonsense, assume that I'm joking, but I've actually like already recorded a few tests, test tracks. <laughs> Emmy has heard these. So, all of a sudden, I get this message from Dan saying, I'm sending you a file, dot, non-context, full stop. No-context podcast. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden, you hear your, your associate going, I'm sending you something. And you're you get like, okay, what is going on? You open your email, you check one mana white enchantment. <laughs> and you have no answer but going, Dan, what the fuck? I was testing out some concepts. I don't think it's wrong. I was just, you know, like, what? <laughs> There's nothing to say. The three year anniversary got done on some new stuff. Here's the thing, right? Like, even though I've been doing this for apparently three years, 
I don't feel any more comfortable like with the microphone, with performance. I'm not a performer. I'm very introverted. And one of my greatest fears is that, you know, my, my voice naturally lends itself to putting people to sleep. Like, I understand this. I have like a very soft, quiet voice. It's not the, it's not the streamer voice. It's not the hype man voice. You have a professor voice, which quite fits you. A professor voice designed to put people to sleep. I mean, exactly. And at a certain point, it's like, why fight it? Embrace it. People pay for this shit. <laughs> they want to fall asleep. It feels good. And that's why you got me here during the podcast, right? If you put people to sleep, how no one can sleep to my voice. <laughs> well, this project is nowhere near ready, but you may or may... Well, you haven't heard the last of this. Maybe you have. Don't worry, anybody. You haven't. Because if Dan decides it's the last, I will decide it's not, and you will get the public screening of the first of the audio I got. The first seconds of the audio I got. So you better keep working and improving it. Faith is going after that. That's what happens when we're still here at 2 a.m. All right. We have an actual show planned. <laughs> Sorry for the nonsense once again. We have a great show because we're talking about potentially the most important card from Streets of New Capenna. Bold claim, but likely the best one after the Triumphs, and that's Letter Shredder. Yeah, so we're going to take another look. We talked about this last week, checking in on the new tech from week one. We're going to follow up. There's a bunch of new lists with Ledger Shredder. We're going to propose some new ones. Uh, David's got three new Ledger Shredder brews. And then in our flashback segment, we'll tell you a little bit about how Bant Week played out in the testing. But before we dive in, let's just give a quick shout out to our Patreon, which is the best way to support the cast. Patreon.com slash faithisbrewing. That's where you can sign up if you'd like to support the show. Uh, at Pledge Any Tier, we'll get you access to our Discord channel. You get other perks as well. You can vote on cards. If you want to go up to higher tiers, we have merch. We have some beautiful playmats. Uh, get those out to you to get you ready to do battle at your LGS this summer. Beyond that, we're also expanding into some new areas. Um, we've got a YouTube channel that we've been working on. Got some new videos up there this week. And actually, the Flash deck that I played that I'll talk about today will also be going up on YouTube as well. I got a Luxior League up there, and we've got some great feedback. We're experimenting with some new formats. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you what you'd like to see on that channel. Exactly. YouTube comments help a lot and also ideas really help because it's sort of a test, right? Every single video, you are just looking for what people want to see that's new or at least that's interesting enough that they are going to want from us rather than from any other YouTuber. Precisely. With that being said, remember, we also have an Instagram, Facebook, eventually might have a TikTok as long as whenever the summary me decides to wake up. <laughs> and... With that, we can branch into this really, really little part we're going to give to our three-year anniversary during this episode. To just one group of people specifically we want to thank today. And that's everyone that has left a review. Yeah, seriously, there's a lot of people who have left really kind words over the years. We actually got a few reviews recently and just want to give them a quick shout out. Reviews are another way that you can support the show. It doesn't cost anything, right? You just have to log into Apple Podcasts, make an account. It helps new people find us. It helps boost us in the algorithms and the search. And it helps the skeptics who have not heard us before. You know, before they dive in, they might like to see that, okay, this show exists. They're still making content and, you know, they're not completely crazy. Although the truth is we are completely crazy at this time of night. We just talked three minutes about ASMR and I haven't even got it started about the Leroy Shankins debacle. Oh my gosh. Okay. It's, it's too much. It's too much. 
Uh, yeah, reviews really help, and we really appreciate that. So we want to give a big thank you to Odin's. Uh, been a long time supporter of the podcast. Thanks, Odin's. Some kind words here. It says best MTG podcast out there. A friendly group of really creative people that have fostered an awesome community and. Again, as we talked about on our Friday show, that really means so much to us. Odin's writes that he's been listening for a couple years now, and each episode continues to impress and inspire, whether it's a wild brew or unique insight on MTG's most popular formats. Faithless Brewing is the best place for magic content. Oh, that's that's so nice. Another nice review from Devin H., who writes... Love the show. The expansion of hosts have added different perspectives and insights. Each and every host brings a different focus that really helps me see the important differences in modern and pioneer. I appreciate that too. I mean, it's a bit of an experiment. I, I don't know like how many podcasts out there use a, a rotating carousel of hosts. Obviously, we do that partly out of necessity, but I think it does add a nice dimension to you know getting different perspectives, different expertises. I think it's one of the helps. One of the things that really help us keep everything smooth and interesting. Like, not every episode needs to be a hybrid when we're going insane. Not every episode needs as deep analysis in Pioneer alongside David. Not every episode needs the same things, right? If I'm going to listen to the same every week, I just got to watch a TV show. Well said. And finally, a nice five-star review from Seth Solomon. It says, top-tier magic podcasts. I look forward every week. We also have one more review. A one-star review, which I'm going to guess it's directly headed to my face. And that's why I'm going to take it with stride. And I'm going to read the title and just sink us in. Illiterate. One star. If you're going to host a podcast and make your voice heard, please learn to read. The mispronunciation of simple words on cards is so constant and gracious that I couldn't keep listening. I saw that we had a one-star review, but I actually couldn't read what it said. So, because I don't know how to read, so... Thank you to who is Jake Wright for that one star review. We are going to work on that. Thank you so much. I mean, if whenever you could fight that back in Spanish, French, and Portuguese, I would be willing to argue about my pronunciation in English. But on the meanwhile, screw you. <laughs> I don't quite understand the mindset of people who actually take the time to leave a one star review, but people do this, and this is known. Haters are going to hate, and the fact that they find you is like in a weird way is a sign that, you know, you also are a real show. It's like a kind of annoying because, you know, our, our good friend Stevie B, who's a, a marketer, is like, yes, marketing show is that it takes seven positive reviews to cancel out one negative one, or not even a cancel, just get back to neutral. And I'm like, all right, all right, who is Jake, right? If I ever learn to read, I'm going to get my revenge on you. There's a, there's a thing that I think we can all agree on. If you ever see something that has 15% dislikes, you're going to assume it's bad because that's just how the world has taught you to look at stuff. And that's why it is sort of like, even if they're really uncommon, like once the reviews are at least annoying, like I'm not going to say I took this personally. I don't think he was talking about about you. I was like, what is this person referring to? Like, could it be, I mean, yeah, I guess experimental synthesizer is our next card of the month. (laughs) You're going to be hearing a lot more about experiment synthesizer throughout June, maybe into July. Ah, what a nice card. And yeah, so thanks so much for everyone that has actually left a review. Thanks so much to everyone that has been supporting us over the last three years. Well, supporting the cast that has been adapting. And hope to stay here for at least a few more. Yeah, absolutely. So with that said, let's get into our brew session for today. Talking about Ledger Shredder, the big bird. This was the talk of the town last week, right? I, I guess the saga is still ongoing. I, I played against this how many times today? Everyone's playing Ledger Shredder. Let's read the card. Ledger Shredder, creature pair advisor for 1 and a blue, 2 mana 1, 3. 
flying whenever a player casts their second spell each turn. Lecture Shredder, Connives. What does Connive mean? Draw a card, then discard a card. If whatever you discarded is a non-land, you put a plus one plus one counter on this creature. A lot of stuff about this card went under people's heads, right? The first time they saw it? Yeah, I think it took me several days to realize that this triggers on your opponent's spells, for starters. And then there's even more details I, I didn't realize until today that I didn't understand. Want to guide us through them? Yeah, so anything that says the second spell of the turn, that is something that is tracked by the game of magic itself. It's not specific to like Ledger Shredder, so it's, it's not like the second spell after you cast Ledger Shredder. What does that mean? It means that if your plan is to get an immediate trigger of Ledger Shredder, which is a great idea, right? It's like a looter that has haste that would be so strong. You have to cast Ledger Shredder as the first spell of the turn. You can't go like, opt, ooh, I drew a Ledger Shredder, play Ledger Shredder, play a second spell, because that would actually be your third spell, if that makes sense. It triggers on any player, and actually it can happen twice in a turn, which actually happened to me today. I was very surprised and disappointed when I accidentally triggered my opponent's Ledger Shredder on the same turn that they triggered the oh, no. Ledger Shredder. So it came in as like a 3-5. But we fought a counter war over it, and before I knew it, I had like cast my second spell, and it triggered again. So, yeah, in, in a multiplayer game, this could trigger like three or four times a turn in, in theory. Conniving might be worth a, a small note here, because this is a new mechanic. Yeah. So the, the phrasing is Ledger Shredder connives. Connive, drawing a card, discarding a card. However, that trigger, once it's on the stack, it's going to happen no matter what. Even if the Ledger Shredder gets Fatal Push in response, you will still perform the action of drawing and discarding a card. You can get a plus one, plus one counter out of that if you discard a non-land card, which is itself kind of interesting because, you know, looting is powerful for the ability to filter away unwanted lands. But if you're filtering away an unwanted land, you're not growing your bird. Exactly. So most of the shells we have seen these are generally low low land decks that are more than happy looking for the third land, rather than decks that want to start discarding extra lands once they get into the mid game. So Ledger Shredder is taking its place as the kind of the new version of don't lightning bolt your opponent's Tarmogoyf. <laughs> There's a picture from a legacy league here of someone casting lightning bolts trying to kill a Ledger Shredder and accidentally triggering it to make it a 2-4. I have seen so many times this happening. Like, people really are not ready for this sort of effect at first. <laughs> yeah, I think that could happen if you if you did not realize that you, your spells were going to trigger the effect. Exactly. And finally, conniving is not optional. It's not a may. You'd have to do it. And this actually is quite relevant in Pioneer, where Narset Parter of Veils is a very, very common card, especially in these blue or control mirrors if you control a narset and your opponent controls a letter shredder you actually have the ability to like force them to draw a second card and then they they can't but they still have a discard so you can actually turn the letter shredder into a, a drawback i mean you're likely growing your opponent's letter shredder that's gonna pressure your narset but you're getting card advantage yeah, so there's like a little war, the eternal war between Ledger Shredder and Narset, right? Like it pressures Narset pretty well. It's very hard to kill, but Narset can suppress that looting for a time. All right, so that's like the, the rules caveats. What do we like about this card? Or not just us, what does everyone else like about this card? First of all, it's exactly what you said. I mean, you love this card. I am the one that's not so enamored by it, but I remember still when during the first preview, you were like, I want to play Mishra's Fable, and it was like, that's insanity. And I started sending, and less than a, two weeks later, I was sending you screenshots of people going, let's just shoot it into Mishra's Fable against me. So I got just immediately punished by my words. It was like instant speed karma. Things you like. 
It's a good looter, especially in those scenarios where you can just trigger it on ETB oh, on the first turn. Just find your land drops and get a big creature or the other way around. Get rid of your land drops and have a decent-sized defensive body. Two mana 1-3 flyer, it's pretty decent stats alongside evasion and a body that grows. Evasion on growing bodies is never to be underestimated. Being blue is exactly where you want this sort of effect that requires double casting in both turns alongside something that's tempo positive. It really helps having a plan B if you're playing a graveyard deck because it works as a looting for when your plan is working and as a plan B when your plan is not. And it can be slightly taxing on your opponent from time to time. I don't think that if your opponent is casting two spells, you're getting a loot out of it. It's not particularly huge. But it's going to force your opponent into some weird spots sometimes. Yeah, I'm not sure that I would like worry too much about it unless my life total was in serious danger or I was playing damage-based removal. But it is annoying when like you see that just like just to get through your spells, you have to give them all these free loots. You don't enjoy giving your opponent free value, even if it's tiny value. Giving your opponent value is never, never, you never, you never like it. It always feels bad. Like, can I avoid this by any way? Yeah. So last week we talked about how Ledger Shredder had a great debut in Pioneer and also in Legacy for some reason. In the week since, we've seen this card getting picked up everywhere, and the price has been climbing, climbing, and climbing to match that. Yeah. Uh, what's the price today? Like $10 for a paper copy? 30 tickets is what I saw today for Magic Online? No way. I mean, that's, that's what I saw when I checked. That's insane. This bird flies all the way to the moon. I mean, this is crazy, crazy how much this card has gone up. Foil letter trailer on TCO is half what non-foil is. <laughs> so if you're going to buy letter trailer, you can buy your foils for 20 and your non-foils for 31. 31, okay. So go buy your, or even the promo non-foil, that's 22. Go buy your promo. I mean, these cars don't have the same resale because they can't be redeemed as, as commonly. It's this, the economy of Magic Online is so strange for standard legal sets during their redemption period. But anyway, so the card is expensive, but is it good? Like, it's almost like the card went up in price before before the gameplay caught up to it. And it's not totally clear to me like which came first, the financial hype or the gameplay hype. This card has something that it fits in a lot of strategies while being at least always decent, which is of course going to make a lot of people sham it because this card is never terrible, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it does what it says it does. And I think that is best summed up by Canister's post that reads, Classic Hardfall 3-2 with the bill, the new best card ever, Ledger Shredder, might actually fit very well. <laughs> new best card ever is the best description for cards like Omnixilis. So the thing about Ledger Shredder is that it kind of forces you to build a good deck just because like, you're going to have to surround it with cheap cantrips and cheap stuff. And like that that's a good deck, as we saw with Luris. So the floor is quite high for Ledger Shredder. In that respect, I'm not surprised people are like, oh, actually, I enjoyed playing with this card. I don't think it's worth whatever the current oh, no. price is. I think this will eventually come down, but I could be wrong. No, I agree with that. But I think this card has a pretty particular characteristic, which is what you just said. Besides ranging from decent to good to maybe amazing and I'm mistaken, it's fun. Getting to look at cards is fun. Making decisions is fun. Especially tiny decisions that don't require a lot of time. Mm -hmm. That's what we magic players live for. That's why everybody loves Xerox strategies. It's true. It's very true. All right, let's start off in modern. So first, we're going to just take a look at what other people have done with 
Ledger Shredder this week, and then we'll get to a few new ways to use it. In Modern, which was the one format where it hadn't yet made a splash, uh, I counted, it looks like five, four or five published results and a few more people talking about it on Twitter. The first home is classic Is It Merktide, so Merktide region, Ragavans, Dragon's Rage Challenge, etc. Except, wait a second, you gotta make room for Ledger Shredder. And it looks like the most successful way to do that is actually to cut Dragon's Rage Channeler and play Ledger Shredder instead. What do you make of that? I think it's insanity. I just think. <laughs> I. Uh, so in a, forma, in a format that's so mana efficient like modern, your threats doubling in mana is a lot. So I think I, I like if you can resolve a Ledger Shredder, it's likely better than a DRC. Unless you're on top like mode, what DRC is better. And I'll, and I don't know. I just the only scenario where I prefer this card is against Graveyard Hate, which I'm kind of dubious as to like how how good Graveyard Hate is against. Is it Murktide? I, I know it like does something. It depends but... on the quality of the Graveyard Hate. I think the only particular relevant ones are Rest in Peace or Relic of Progenitus. It's not a matter of one shooting the graveyard. It's a matter of keeping it empty. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes and, sense. Endurance is good because it's a three four flash. Like, not because it's Graveyard Hate, because it's a combination of a big body and Graveyard Hate. Yeah, it, it eats your Dragon's Rage Channelers. Yeah, you just want to keep the Graveyard totally empty, get rid of any Snapcaster mages they could be playing, turn Unholy Hit into a Bad Shock, turn Work Dead Region into an Uncastable Threat, and make sure Darcy's are 1-1. One, one. Like, there's a lot of cards they have that get punished by Graveyard Hate, but they're still playable, they become bad cards, which means you can't just Graveyard Hate and win. So one of the top Is It Merktide players online, on Magic Online, is Andrea Paimonti, who is Pai Gonti, I think trophy leader last season. Trophy leader last season. On their Twitter feed, uh, they wrote that, okay, they've been getting a lot of questions about should Is It Merktide play Ledger Shredder? Is it going to be good there? And what they said was they didn't feel like the card should be good. It doesn't seem to solve any of the deck's problems. This is, this is Pai Gonti saying this. Is it is already the most consistent deck, so you know you don't need more card selection, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. and it doesn't put up a very fast clock against decks like Cascade. Yeah, that's not really a ringing endorsement. On the other hand, you know you have the results. We have a five-zero list. We have uh, it looks like a fifth-place list from one of the weekend challenges, and another top thirty-two list uh, making that exact swap. Ledger Shredder for DRC. I think that swap is. The equivalent of Shadow Decks playing Omnixilis. <laughs> okay. I think you're playing a good deck and you want to try a new card and there's no good reasoning behind it, so you got the most similar card and hope for the best. I think it's insanity. I agree with Pygonti. I don't think this solves practically any problem the deck has. It's not good in the bad matchups. It's not particularly amazing in the good matchups. Like, it doesn't shine in any way, shape, or form. However, as some... As I know the guy has got in the 5-0, so I have seen some of the screenshots. He's trying to defend the Chet Shredder, but the card he has sent a lot of screenshots of is in his sideboard. Hmm. Do you know what card I'm talking about? Uh, no, I don't. Unlicensed Hearse. Really? To win the Iset Prowess really? Mirror, they're playing two Unlicensed Hearse that are absolutely amazing. And I have seen so many 6-6 attacking on turn 5. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, the Letter Shredder crews the hearse. That's something. I think I have that literal screenshot somewhere on my WhatsApp. So yeah, that's something to come into consideration. The hearse actually on the sideboard in modern already. 
And, the, and also the list that got the top eight has the license, a license hers in the sideboard. And the list that got... So all three lists that you have posted here with Legend Shredder have a license hers in the sideboard. Yeah, they seem like the same list to me. I'm not sure like which one was the first list, but... Yeah, yeah, they're literally the same. But I think having Legend Shredder, I love having the, the hers in all three. And they changed the sideboard a tiny bit. Like one has a Snapcaster and the others does don't. That's what I was saying different. But yeah, extremely close list. All have the hers. It seems from like a sim that it really crushes the mirror. Like it's an unbeatable threat. Those cybers don't even have any way to remove it. So I was playing like a pioneer deck today, actually, and I brought in unlicensed hearse against Is It, and it surprisingly wasn't fast enough to keep the graveyard empty. They were still able to do their treasure cruise stuff. In modern, it's like a little bit different because it's it's not just total quantity of cards, but like Merktide specifically wants the instants and sorceries to be there. DRC wants the Delirium cards to be there. So actually the targeted double relic effect it's huge. of Unlicensed Hearst is like much more effective in modern specific. You really don't care about lands and creatures. As long as you keep instant and sorceries out, they are not going to get Delirium. They are not going to get a big, nothing bigger than a 3-3. You're really going to put your opponent in an awkward spot. And looking at this exact deck list, they have one removal in the 75 for a 6-6 Hearst. Sorry, 3 they want to place and borrow in the main and engineer explosives. Hmm. The only way is to get rid of it. All right, so last thing I'll say in defensive Ledger Shredder in Murktide is that DRC, while mostly stock, was like not 100% stock, right? Like some, some versions of this deck would play Ragavan, Murktide, and nothing else. Or some would play those two creatures plus Brazen Borrower or Snapcaster Mage or something. So you don't necessarily need your last threat to be a DRC. Dragon's Rage Channeler, I should say. Um... We are getting that into the abbreviation ship. It's only a matter of time till he says phone. <laughs> Never. I'm starting the podcast down if I ever say phone with a straight face. <laughs> I'm going to get it out of you someday, like by accident. I'm just going to say, do you think phone is good? And you're like, yeah, I think phone is a fine card in this deck. I'm just checking the next list to make sure there's no force of negation in it. Okay, this one is safe. Uh, let's go to the next list. So you can also, you can also stick Ledger Shredder into a prowess deck. In modern, is it prowess used to be like the deck before MH2 came around? Monastery Swisspear used to be the best creature in modern. I don't know what happened to it since then. Well, I, I do know what happened to it, but it's just kind of sad. That did not stop the player Julian John from trying to resurrect is it Blitz, as it used to be called, throw some Ledger Spiders in and hope for the best. Julian John also put Ragavans in the deck and a couple of Merktides, but the rest of the creatures are your old friends. There's Monastery Swiftspear, there's Soulscar Mage, two Sprite Dragons, three Storming Entities, two Murktides, three Ledger Shredders. These random twos and threes are just to make room for the Ledger Shredders, presumably, because you do need to have a certain critical mass of spells. The numbers in this deck, 3-2-3-2, three, two, three, two, three Ledger, two Sprite, three Entity, two Regent, is in no way the correct amount, right? <laughs> this is a, I wanted to test this card and I had to make spots, so I took out the fourth entity, the third spy dragon, and the third regent, and just threw it in. What do you make of the argument that the second letter shredder is not that impressive, so three is the right number? Okay, but then you gotta sell me on why you have two sprite dragons. Okay, like, it's, you gotta sell me on the whole three soul skarmage, two sprite dragons, three entity, two more tides, one vapor snag, and not why- They crunched all the numbers and this is what came back. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw the numbers into the calculator and did what it told me. All right, another possible home. 
this does not make sense to me, but two copies of Ledger Shredder in a grinding breach deck. So grinding station, underworld breach, that's his oracle. Why is Ledger Shredder here? So what I have seen from Shigi personally, like in the grinding breach discord in the Zero Visions podcast, is that it's a good way to fight graveyard hate. Okay, so like a little juke plan. I see two main main deck and also two more on the exactly. side. Exactly. It's how like you know this deck tries to win a lot of the time on the Dragavan, Plarsi, Nature Shredder, and in this case, Plan B. So when once your opponent starts throwing in Graveyard Hate, you they now need to fight Ragavan, Lecher Shredder, plus Ursa Saga. And this deck in particular is quite amazing at turning on Lecher Shredder because of Mitra's Bubble, Mox Umber, and the insane number of low mana CMC spells they play due to the fact they're an Embry deck. Yeah, so we kind of glossed over this because, you know, everyone understands what looting does, but when you're being attacked on, like, your primary axis, right, like, you didn't side out all your graveyard stuff. You, you left some of it in. They drawed the rest in peace. Okay, you're going to draw your dead cards, and just having a looter in the deck that you, like, already wanted to play, because it's pretty good, means that that, you know, that dead Underworld Breach is going to become, you know, one one more draw towards your Versus Saga. Yeah, like, th- I think that's what this is going to be in that deck. I don't like the two main two sideboard feel like it's four slots, which is a lot, but I think this is the shell I most like of what we have seen. I don't think Murta- I'm going to make the bold claim, and I'm going to get so punished by this in a few weeks if it doesn't happen that by the ending of May we're not going to see Ledger Shredder in any Murktide or such deck or like it doesn't do what it want, what you want it to do. Like think of this, you have a Mirror's Bubble in your opening hand. Are you actually not going to play turn 1 so you can play it on turn 2 with Ledger Shredder? <laughs> I mean, I want that trigger. You played against that, who won that match? I did, I had Solitude. But the thing is, that's a really annoying play pattern. Sort of what you saw with your Glasspool Mimic, Ursa Saga, and Stoneforge hands in the mm. Luxure deck. Mm. If you have Mishra's Bubble in your opening hand, it's so much more efficient to go turn 1 DRC Mishra's Bubble than it is to go turn 2 Let's further Mishra's Bubble. Like, especially if you're looking like a, for a counter spell or such, or, a blood, or any effect you're going to need in your hand quite fast, the difference is at least remarkable in losing an extra turn in this digging. Yeah, I agree. I think that's one of the annoying play patterns with it. I don't think it's going to last. Other places you could put Ledger Shredder in Modern. You know, you talked about Canister already. He's got this dutiful 3-2 taking Esper Reanimator with a new card, Tainted Indulgence. I think we talked about that last week, how it's replaced Unmarked Grave in some builds of Reanimator. He also found room for four Ledger Shredders. I'm not totally sure what he cut. It looks like he cut like the fourth Teferi and maybe some Moldrifters. He got rid of the blink package. He added four Mishra's Bubble, four Ledger Shredder, Cast Solitude, Cat Ephemerate, Cat Grief, and some number of Thoughtsies, I think. It's what I'm seeing. Or the final push. Can't remember which wasn't there. Oh, so this is like a much more controlling interactive deck. Not control. That's not necessarily what I mean. This is a much more like cast spells, Fatal Push, Thoughtsies. This is much more old school. You don't have Pitch Elementals, yeah. you don't have Ephemerate in your animator deck, you don't have like the turn one. Scam, Grief, Ephemerate. Do you think it's actually worth it to play Mishra's Bubble here? You cannot make me play a white deck without Solitude. You can. You would need to put a gun to my head and force me into it. And even then, I might not do it. I don't think it's worth me playing Mishra's Bubble here. I think... I don't understand why this deck is playing white. If it doesn't have Faithful right. Mending, it's only playing end, It's only playing Ending and Teferi. Maybe he was testing out Rafine's Tower, the Esper tri- Trial. You could talk me into playing Lecher Shredder in a Dimir Reanimator or a Rakdos Reanimator. 
or a Crixis reanimator alongside Tainted Indulgence. Where the number of playables are lower and this looting effect is much more worth it. Do I think I want a Lecher Shredder in my opening 7 when I'm playing a reanimator deck? I don't think so. And this brings back the same situation as last time. Your opening hand has Mishra's Bubble and no Lecher Shredder. Le Mishra's Bubble is your only activator for Lecher Shredder on turn 2. Do you play it or do you wait to see your draw on turn 2? I mean, you gotta play it. Alright, so that's Modern. Following up on Pioneer, last week we talked about various Izzet decks that were already making good use of the bird. Is it Phoenix? Eight bird, if you prefer, now with four Ledger Shredders and four Arclight Phoenix. Is it Control with Thing in the Ice, different configurations of that, and also Esper Greasefang, which is the pioneer version of Reanimator yeah. as it currently stands. Those lists had already done well. What else do we have? Well, we got more variations on Is It decks. I love the Isetagro. I love that we're finally see Play with Fire getting played. I'm sorry, Play with Fire and Ancestral Anger. Ancestral Anger, yeah. So this first one here from ZNT, one of the perennial trophy leaders in the Pioneer Leagues on Magic Online. Monastery Swiftbeer, Soulscar Mage, Sprite Dragon, Ledger Shredder. So I'm kind of in a prowess core. There's also three Dreadhorde Arcanists here. And Dan's top four War of the Scar cards, Dreadhorde Arcanist. <laughs> exactly. I have the list memorized right now. I'm never going to let it go. Um, I feel like that was top eight to brew with. I don't think I said top eight most powerful. Don't don't, don't make me look. Why do you go to make me open that? This is all right. All no, right. No, no, I'm no, sorry, no. I'm, I'm opening. It. I'm saying, why do you bring this up on yourself? I'm gonna go edit the poster right now and <laughs> make it say that. I'm gonna say the title just to make you the ten best war cards for modern and why they are misunderstood. There you go. You gotta get that clickbait in there. I understood this intuitively even before I was a podcaster. And then we, and then our top ten list starts with number eight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> number nine and ten will shock you because they're not here. <laughs> because this I'm is, not going to tell you what they because are. Because this is a top eight list. <laughs> um, all right. So Dreadhor Arcanist, a card that I vastly overrated, but I think everyone did. It's actually like <laughs> kind of cute the way that. <laughs> Oh boy. Never again can we record this late at night. This is a huge mistake. <laughs> My mind becomes frustrated at this time of night. It's kind of cute how, like, Dread Organist actually casts the spell when it attacks and then gives you more prowess triggers, that gives you letter shredder triggers. That's a nice interaction. Consider opt play with fire. Reckless Rage, like, this is actually no surprise if you've been tracking like the either the blue-red prowess or abandoning blue and going into just Boros, um, not Boros prowess, but was Boros heroic and pioneer. Letter Shredder seems to fit here, right? But Ancestral Anger is the card that I think is really exciting, right? That's that's the one that, you know, actually muscled its way into that Boros deck and is just a great four of. This is one of the top cards from Crimson Vow Limited to re revisit that old feud with David about limited cards being good and constructed. And to round out the deck, you have Expressive Iteration and Treasure Cruise. I mean, why wouldn't you play Expressive Iteration, right? You're an Iset deck. You're Iset due to Expressive Iteration. Exactly. A cleaner version of the strategy doesn't play Dreadheart Arcanist. It just plays Swiss Beer, Soulscar Mage, Sprite Dragon, and Ledger Shredder. Four of each. And a bunch of spells. And this is a deck that um, yeah, a few people put up results with. I actually got paired against Doomwake today, and he was playing this deck. So... 
Yeah, I mean, I guess you just call that is it prowess. There are a little bit weirder versions of is it. Um, is it tempo, where the creature package is ledger shredder, sprite dragon, delver of secrets, and young pyromancer. And one player was even playing it with four copies of Terramander. So four Terramander, four Ledger Shredder, four Sprite Dragon. That's so many flying threats. Like, Terramander is an old... It's an old tech, but it checks out. It's an older meme, but it checks out, yes. Gosh, I mean, that card... I don't know. Terramander works really well with Ledger Shredder in that it... In a, Ledger Shredder really helps the, enabling it really fast. You said that so many flyers, they're, they're actually playing four copies of Lofty Denial. One in a blue instant counters a spell unless its controller plays one, but if you control a creature with a flying, they have to pay four. I don't think this card is very good. Um, but if you're playing 13 flyers, maybe it's borderline playable? I mean, even there, like the spirits decks don't play... They don't necessarily play the I mean, card. this deck needs more stack interaction than such spell burst because this is like, this is the reality of a tempo deck, right? This deck plays one card that costs more than two mana. I'm talking about Brazen Bar, where this time costs two mana, everybody. Fight me. <laughs> Literally, it's playing 16, 18, 22 one mana spells, 16 two mana spells. That's it. This deck is so lower curve. Like, what do you replace those Lofty Annihilers with? Another creature, I assume. I mean, 13 creatures is on the lighter side. Yeah, 13 creatures is on the lighter side when you're trying to close the game fast, right? Like, if they you just choose three creatures... And this deck has to really rely on dicks all the time. Like, really heavily to get back into the game. It's playing 8 1-mana cantrips and 8 1-mana shock. The list we're talking about right now is from Alana Lana. Dig Through Time is a little bit unusual. I think this, compared to the other Is It lists I was just mentioning, this one plays a little bit more reactive, holds mana open for Lofty Denial, holds mana open to adapt the Terramander, yeah. and doesn't tap out quite as often. I think that's the plan. Like, once you tap down for a Chumana creature, you never tap down again. And this deck is really low on, cur- on lands for a deck I assume wants to hit three lands every single game, and that's where Ledger Shredder sort of shines, as we said before, when you're looking for a land rather than trying to get rid of lands. On the flip side, and this is the last deck in this family of Ledger Shredder decks, we have a mono-red list, again from ZNT, taking the mono-red aggro core and finding just enough blue sources to play four Ledger Shredders and four Sprite Dragons, but otherwise is playing the mono-red all-stars. Kumano faces Kakazan, Chandra dressed to kill, light up the stage, skewer the critics. No cantrips here, right? Just red burn spells, cheap creatures. Just burn. Like, light up the stage is only two for one in the whole deck alongside Chandra, and that's it. Hope that's enough to carry over. So I would not describe any of these decks as Ledger Shredder decks per se. They're just decks that, you know, you want to put Ledger Shredder in, it meets the requirements. It's a good card in those, like, it's a it's a role player. Yeah. It's not normal than that. However, you have something really interesting going just below. Yeah, take us there. Into the generic demon controller or to the interesting stuff? <laughs> Which one were you talking about? I was talking about both. Like, okay. to start with, I, we have what Dan calls in such a magnificent way with words, generic demon control. <laughs> Which MTG Goldfish has the dignity of calling demon thing in the eyes. Where we feature all right, all right. four letters, four thing in the eyes, and two brazen borrowers, alongside the usual package of Fatal Push, Consider, Spellbeast, Thoughtsies, Drowning the Lock, This Through Time, and now Tainted Indulgence as a great two for one in the late game and a good way to dig in the early game, and three Kaito Shizuki. 
So Kaito Shizuki surprises me in this list. I don't quite see why you would want to tap out for this. That's why it was exactly what I was picturing. Like you play turn two Letcher Shredder, you never activate it until turn four if you play a Kaito on turn three. So it's weird. This whole deck is just a strange building. But it features two Alessence Hers in the sideboard. Going back to the pattern, if you see four Letcher Shredder in the main, there's two Hers in the sideboard. One of the nice things about looting on Ledger Shredder is that it solves one of Black's problems on Pioneer, right? Black has Thoughtseize and Fatal Push. Those cards are rarely good in the same matchup, but you do want to play four of each. I mean, they're so efficient. So when you have three Kaito, four Ledger Shredder, two Tainted Indulgence, you have a lot of options to just get rid of whichever one of those Thoughtseize or Push is not the card you need at the time. So that's nice. Oh, they also have Tainted Indulgence on our way to to discard. Yeah. Okay, I can see why you would do this. I just really dislike the fact that you're if you're going for the Kirby one, which is a turn two thread into turn three Kaito, you're not activating the Shredder in turn four, to say the least. Hmm. Although the Shredder is a good blocker for Kaito when it's time to defend Kaito. Alright, that's not the list that you were talking about, right? The spicy one. What's the spicy one? We're talking about Sheskai Ascendancy in Pioneer. So let's look I'm going to start going from weirdest card to most normal cards. 4 Mox Amber, 4 Terrarion, 4 Portable Hole, 3 Retraction Helix, 3 Ledger Shredders, 4 Embrys, and then you just have the usual good stuff, and the combo with Forces Sky Ascendancy. Well, what is this combo? I mean, this, this is not the Sylvan Awakening combo that we've come to expect. It is not. I think you have to tell us what Retraction Helix is, because this card is not widely played. One blue mana instant. Until end of turn, target creature gains. Return target non-land permanent to its owner's hand. So you have to cast Retraction Helix on one of your creatures with the Ascendancy in play. Now the creature can tap to bounce a zero mana permanent. And you go infinite mana with Moxamber and Emery. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird. It's definitely weird. It's so... Why does it feature for the Radiance? That might just be to help fix. I mean, you're also playing four Emrys, and that requires a certain density of artifacts. Like, the artifacts you want are Mox Amber and Portable Hole, but that's not quite enough for Yeah, Emry. it also works with, as a way, like a bad Mishra's bubble for Emry. Sahili, Sublime Artificer, also likes having some artifacts around. Sahili is great because it helps you while you are playing your considers. It gains you more creatures for when you have to Retraction Helix. Because it just allows you to start looting away cards. My only question is... Yeah, and you just attack with those creatures eventually. So Sahel is another way to generate creatures because you're only playing 7 if not. And it features 3 lesser shutters as a way to just get accruing some value, looting, and dig for the combo. Because you're only playing Forces Sky Ascendancy, so you're pretty far away from the rule of 8. This list surprises me. Like, to me, this list should not work, but TMU is an amazing player, so... I have seen TMO 5-0 with Wars. The fact when you see amazing players 5-0 is you don't know if the deck is decent or they're just amazing players that had a lucky streak. Alright, so that's what we've seen from Ledger Trader this week alone in Modern and Pioneer. Let's take a look at the future. Where can Ledger Trader go from here? And for this task, we consult our master brewer, David Robertson. He's not recording with us today, but he's here in spirits and he's left us some spicy lists. David focuses on Pioneer, right? So... General rules of thumb, I mean, you can kind of deduce them from the list we described already, but basically, you want to start with 
what Emmy called the Xerox strategy. You want little cantrips. Consider opt some cheap shock variants that, that could be play with fire, that could be fiery impulse, could be lightning axe. If you're in black, like in the Demir generic control, that could be fatal push. Uh, you want expressive iteration because why not? Your ledger shredders plus some other creatures, whether that's Arclight, whether that's the prowess creatures, Terramander, whatever, and then some delve spells, right? That, that's going to be your is it core. But we can do better than that, right? We can, we can do a little spicier than that. The Xerxes core, core is great, but we can do better. All right, so let's let's go into Grixis. Tell me about this Grixis list. Grixis medium shredder. David has an uncle love for calling everything he plays in Grixis, Grixis medium. <laughs> so we start with the one drops, four final push, one strangle as a fifth copy of removal, four thoughtsies, one dures as a fifth copy of discard, and two village rights. Then we have four young pyromancers, four letter shredder, two seagate storm color, which is a card I have been loving so far and might be great here alongside these cards, two improbable alliance, which I am not quite certain what it is. Enchantment blue and a red. Whenever you cast No, whenever you're this is Eldrain's favorite Eldrain draft staple is an enchantment. Whenever you draw your second card is trying to create a one one blue fairy token with flying. And has the ability for three mana to loot, if I'm not mistaken. Or like a lot more mana. Six Six mana. Six to mana to loot. Okay, that's a lot of mana. Two red board, one round in the log, and four expressive iteration because you're playing Iset Colors, you're playing Expressive Iteration. In the four manas, in the three mana slot, we have three Kaito Shizuki and one Maestro's Ascendancy, and finally two Treasure Cruise as your top end. So Kaito Shizuki seems great with the fact you have 10 two mana plays. Seagate Storm Color is more like a three mana play. Improved Alliance is always gonna get you some tokens by turn three, so it's pretty good. Maestro's Ascendancy is a card I was quite intrigued alongside the Young Pyromancer. For anyone that doesn't know, it allows you once per turn to sacrifice a creature to give a sorcerer instant spell in your graveyard flashback for its mana cost. I did not realize you have to sacrifice a creature to do this. I thought it was just a free cast every turn. No, no. It would have been a good card. And ascendancies are not allowed to be good. No, no, no. This card, it would have been better case, and they would never build better case in standard. So, yes. It's three mana... You get to sacrifice an extra creature. I think that's why Young Pyromancer is so essential. I do love the idea of turn 3. Seagate Storm Color plus Thoughtseize. It's an extremely devastating play against your opponent, especially if you're in a control of the deck of swords. It's very mana efficient. It gets around counter magic that way. You do have to lose life twice. Yeah. Because that's not an additional cost. It's just part of the resolution of Thoughtseize. Seagate Storm Color into that village right seems really fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the other hand, additional costs... Like village rights, you don't have to pay the additional sacrifice, right? You just copy the village rights, draw four. The same trick that Emmy was using with his Neoform deck. Yeah. Right? You don't have to sack two creatures. Exactly. You get one and you get all the upside. So what does David like about this deck? Well, he's saying because he has a reasonable amount of looting between Ledger Shredder and Kaito Shizuki, he's comfortable actually going up to more than four copies of Thought Season Push. So his fifth Fatal Push, if you will, is Strangle, and his fifth Thought Season is Duress. But this is really the strength of black. If you're going to go into black, you might as well be using these cards. Yeah. So he wants to just play five of each and loot away whichever one he doesn't need at the time. The other thing that he's aiming for here is he's trying to choose creatures that leave some material behind if they die immediately. So Ledger Shredder is like naturally resistant to damage based removal. Young Pyromancer and Seagate Stormcaller, you know, can leave a, a 
token behind or can draw you a card before they die. Yeah, you don't really care about Stormcaller dying. You're just playing it for ETB. So it's one of those cards you just are willing to let die after it has done its show. If, if it trades with a removal, even better. And finally, an intriguing note about Kaito Shizuki. David says, Kaito is just great. This is the three-mana Planeswalker that people should be talking about, not Obnixilis. That's very interesting to me. I think it's a bold claim, but I agree that Kaito, especially in Pioneer, is underexplored. Which is a term I throw around a lot, I have noticed. But I think it's one of those things where people just don't see known players play a card so they don't. And no one has taken the first steps into actually brewing with Kaito. Or just figuring what strategy it might help after the Ludus ban. Yeah, I think like Demir is not well-defined in, in Pioneer. It's just sort of generic control. And three-color decks, oh yeah, possibly because the Triumphs were missing for so long, are also just like seriously underexplored. So uh, we have an interesting list from David here that we can try it out. The next list he provides for us is a little bit cleaner, right? So we're no longer playing black. We're just back into Is It now. We have Considers, we have Ledger Shredders, expressive iterations, the cards that he predicted or promised would be there. But this one is actually more focused on specifically the looting mechanic. And the card that we've been intrigued by to take advantage of that is Riel the Everwise. I love Riel so much. What does Riel do? So Riel is... Let me get the exact card before I say something stupid. Because I know what her first paragraph does. Like, I know the important part about Riel. So 3 mana 3 Real the Everwise gets plus one plus so for its instant or sorcery in your graveyard, and whenever you discard one or more cards for the first time each turn, draw that many cards. Which means this is a small enigma trick that doesn't fly and turns all your looting effects, the first one each turn, into a draw effect. Just straight up card advantage whenever you will in between quotes loot. Real is just so powerful if she's allowed to if you're allowed to untap with her, or if you can just fire off an immediate loot. She is fragile. I'm a little bit hesitant to like pin my entire hopes on having Riel in play. Being an 03 is... We all know there, we all know an 04 is so much better than an 03. And 3 mana 03 that has no ETB that requires additional setup is exactly where we start to get scared. The surrounding deck is plausible. There's Bonecrusher Giants, Sensors... Couple strangles, couple treasure crews. Imagine the dream of having a real in play and looting a fiery temper. That's literally a three for one. Oh yeah. <laughs> like quite literally just a three for one. David notes for this is it looting deck. I am the only person who seems to have success with Riel, so I guess it's up to me again. Yes, sir. <laughs> I believe so. I don't think I have ever played an is it deck, so not gonna change my side now. And finally, it would not be a Faith is Brewing Up podcast without a Blood for Bones reanimator deck from David. So we have the usual starting package of four final push, two con- four consider, and only two thoughtsises, which is a bit strange. Four Tainted Indulgence, four Letter Shredder, four The Modern Age, and four Huari Disruption, the land that's also a sensor, two Kaito Shizuki, one Champion of Wits, and one Celestus as additional discard effects, four Blood for Bones, three Shingitaxias, and one Noxious Gearhold as the reanimate, reanimate targets. So the last time David tried a list like this, it was Blood for Bones and Transmogrify in the same deck with token generators. And he found that, like, there just weren't enough creatures to reliably have something for Blood for Bones to bring back from the graveyard. I think the same thing is going to apply here. Like, Tainted Indulgence is a good card, Ledger Shredder makes sense, but you still only have 
three Jinkataxias as car as you want to get back with Blood for Bones. And Noxious Hierarchalic, which is a bit eh. But. So maybe like you just need to commit to playing more reanimator targets. Not only that, you only have eleven creatures in your deck, right? Four lesser sweater, four modern age, one champion of wits, and the token generated by Kaito. I feel that that's nowhere near close enough, right? Well, you also have yeah, hmm, you have your consider, you have your tainted you can dig for modern them. age loots twice. But I I like the modern age token that's not gonna get hate on it. Lesser sweater is bound to die. Right, so this is David's note about this deck, is that in general he likes Reanimator because it turns off the commonly played removal in the format, and when he adds Ledger Shredder to this Reanimator list, he moves away from that strength. But nevertheless, the Shredder is powerful and it can play a fair game, you know, especially if the opponent is coming after your graveyard. So that's exactly what I was talking about. Ledger Shredder is not something you can count on Blood for Bones because it's a powerful card on its own, which means it's generally dying to its own effect. To, to its own presence. Have you really never played Isatex? That can't be true. I think I played Storm once. <laughs> We're going to have to fix that this week. All right. <laughs> like, it's pretty close to my phrase. I have never casted a Lava Spike. And I haven't. That's more defensible, I think. But all right, well, we're going to test out Ledger Shredder this week. I'm not sure exactly yet which list I will try. I'm going to encourage Emmy to like test out an Is It Shell just for. <laughs> just to take, take him out from his sort of comfort. The spice of life. And we're going to be continuing to track, you know, our bird watch. Bird watching week continues. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more Ledger Shredder technology that we'll tell you about next week, along with our testing results. Exactly. Which means we now have to tell people about our testing results and new tech with our previous card. Absolutely. So last week our card was actually a land. It was Spara's Headquarters, or Banth Triome, as civilized people call it. And we were very interested in just seeing like what opens up now that, in Pioneer specifically, you can play very color-intensive, pip-heavy Bant decks with Growth Spiral, with Absorb, with Wandering Emperor, with whatever you want. Um, David talked about a Lotus Field list that was basically like the blue-white Lotus Field list splashing just for Growth Spiral, which would have been unthinkable before Sparrow's headquarters. Uh, but now the mana is pretty good. And it looked like he had a great time playing it. Uh, he got to play some really tight games. Ended up on the losing side three times, so two and three in his league. But um, he said it felt like a pretty solid deck. Uh, maybe a little bit unlucky just being on the draw all five matches. And, you know, certain decks like Mono Blue are just going to get underneath these somewhat clunkier band decks. 100%. Like, trying to play Mono Blue when you're playing up. Sort of what we were discussing in the last episode. You're playing against the flash deck while you're trying to play control. You're just gonna suffer, especially on the draw. The other note that he found was that, uh, you know, Wandering Emperor, absolute staple in both Pioneer and Modern. This was meant to be one of his stronger cards. He's playing three copies here alongside four Teferi Hero Dominaria. But there's not really any creatures to either defend the Emperor or to benefit from the plus one. Uh, he's only playing Strict Proctor for creatures. So David noted that, yeah, it kind of felt like a little bit of a loss. Like he wasn't getting full use out of his Wandering Emperors because they had nothing to pump. Wandering Emperor becomes a lot worse when your plus one is just a empty plus one, right? And that happens a lot when you go on your opponent's turn. Like opponent's attack, you minus two, and then you on your turn, you just get you plus one or nothing. It's like a pretty common scenario with the Wandering Emperor. So the good news is that the mana seems to work, or at least we don't have any notes here complaining about the mana. Okay. And that was also true for the list that I tested. So I tested David's other proposed list, which was 
a Bant Flash list. Um, this one is very much three colors, right? So it's playing Growth Spiral, not as a splash, but as a core component of the game plan. We're trying to ramp two to four. Four Growth Spiral, three Sylvan Curated, and then our power cards are our four drops, namely Wandering Emperor and Night Pack Ambusher. Both have Flash, both, you know, attack from slightly different angles, require different answers, and can keep the opponent guessing if they're, if they're not sure what to make of you passing with four mana up. Is it an Emperor? Is it a Night Pack Ambusher? Is it a Settle the Wreckage? Uh, a David special? Is it an uh, Endless Detour? <laughs> Is it an Endless Detour? Is it a one-of Broker's Charm? We don't know. So this deck was fun, um, but I felt like structurally it had some of the same weaknesses as the, the Lotus Control deck. It's just like a little bit clunky because apart from that core plan of you know two drop accelerator into four drop with flash it's a lot of two two mana cards and three mana cards like there's not a single one mana spell here usually your turn one is a is a triome right uh spara's headquarters or a, a tap Shockland. if you're on the draw you're just screwed like if you're on the draw and they play soul scar mage you're you're not going to catch up for a very long time. Yeah, it's just such a slow start. Turn two, do nothing. Turn three, might do something, but you have to be on the play. In theory, this is the bargain you have to make to play like the Triome Checkland mana base. niv sometimes can pull this off, but not many other decks have succeeded at this. We just don't see that much of like turn one tap land, turn two catch up ramp card in Pioneer. It's become much more of a pathway format, you know, untapped every turn, play to the board, contest the board every single turn. I mean, that's exactly what we're discussing when the pre- when the Triumphs got spoiled. The fact that for- the format has gotten so fast, so proactive, so efficient in what you're trying to do, even if your cards are not particularly powerful, means sometimes playing a really good spell on turn three is worse than playing three or four bad spells by turn three. So when I took this deck into the leagues, I kind of had the the same problems that we feared. Like, the deck worked so beautifully against the slower decks, right? Like, I just crushed the Esper Greasevane deck. I beat Is It Phoenix, where, you know, there's some back and forth, but just the variety of flash threats here was enough to surprise the Phoenix player. But I was just, like, not quite able to stabilize against aggro. So I lost to Mono Red. I lost to Is It Prowess. Um, it was just one of those prowess lists that we were talking about earlier in the show with Litter Shredders. I lost to Naya Winota. And it was, it felt like a structural problem. Like, I just didn't feel like I was improving after sideboard against them. I didn't quite have the right answers, and I felt like they were improving against me, and I was just hoping they walked into Settle the Wreckage. Didn't quite work out. I don't have as much success with Settle the Wreckage as David does. Maybe I'm just doing it wrong. David is a Settle the Wreckage magnet somehow. He always gets everybody to attack into it. So I did really like the deck. I recorded this league, so it's going to go up on our YouTube channel. You can see for yourself. Interesting choices here. There's four Suspicious Stowaways, three Dovin's Veto main deck, two Brazen Borrower, two Absorbs. The gameplay was really interesting. I, I enjoyed like the choices I had, keeping my opponents guessing. The mana was almost perfect. The only issue was that all those cards I named are not cantrips, so I was like not drawing that many cards. I was sort of at the mercy of the deck. A little bit of hose, a little bit of flood, depending on the game, because I wasn't like there was no expressive iteration type glue card. Bant just doesn't have a card like that. Yeah, I, this whole deck, the closest you have to a strict two four one would be the Wandering Emperor. <laughs> if your opponent allows it, Broker's Charm draw two for Broker's Charm. It was just too clunky. I needed portable holes, honestly. I just needed a clean one mana kill a 
kill a Soulscar mage. Uh, that would have helped so much. Okay, yeah, like this is 99. This doesn't have a real one mana spell, and that's devastating. Because even in turn two, you cannot, even by turn three, you cannot double spell unless you have exactly two two drops and you pay the turn two ramp, right? Like if you play a turn two stowaway, you are still stuck with only a single spell on turn three. So that's where portable call would be great. All right, so initial impressions for Bant is that the, the mana colors are not the issue. The colors are quite smooth, but maybe the fundamental strategy of Triome into Growth Spiral is has been updated. still like a little bit like behind the curve in the current metagame. Yeah, suddenly seems like it. I haven't seen a good Triome build be successful besides Neve. The final deck we'll talk about here is actually a callback to several weeks back. Emmy, you and David recorded some kind of like first brews for Nuka Penna during that weird week between previews and set release. Yes, we did. And David was really high on this list. He really wanted to try it. And that's Shun Transmogrify, where we finally get a better threat than Shingitaxias. So this was one of the first concepts David brought forward. Two Titans of Industry, four Omnixil is the adversary, one Sonic the Mirthless. Omnixil is mostly here as a token maker for once in its lifetime rather than a three mana, two planeswalkers, four fire push, four thoughts, two dreadboard, two Balakut awakening to dig to put back the titans into your deck or to get out of a flood or mana screw, four transmogrify, mm-hmm. and as extra ways to get creatures into play besides the Omnixilis and the Sodin, we have four Colliers Briefcase, four Essica's Chariot, two Careful Cultivation, and four Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Colliers Briefcase and Careful Cultivation being the most important ones as the return to place that allows you to transmogrify on turn three and get your Titan of Industry straight into play. David managed to get a 3-2 result with this, losing to Mono Blue Spirits on a close 1-2 game, 1-2 round, because he never took his second land drop, and a 1-2 game against Orsop Midrange, which just feels like a pretty close matchup. It's too much removal for your really few threats. And the biggest lesson was Titan of Industry is the real deal. A result Titan blows up their nonsense, pressures as planeswalkers, and stabilizes the board. And sadly for our good old Obnix, who hasn't gotten a good, a single good review so far by anyone I have ever known, <laughs> Obnixilis was very mediocre in this list. We don't pressure life total enough for the plus to really matter. Better to play different planeswalkers if we want to punish the exceeding back on removal. He was okay against Orso, otherwise we didn't play good matches for him. Also, the chariot copying Obnixilis is bugged and almost cost me the game. So the one good interaction it has has been bugged. <laughs> So the, you are supposed to be able to copy Obnixilis tokens with Chariot? It should have, it, and it should enter with the same amount of loyalty they copied it, like the originally. Right, right. And he proposed a slightly different build where he relies on Treasure from Fable, some extra pieces of RAM, takes out the Obnixilis, and adds Shugan Defense the Temple, which is a card I have never seen in my lifetime. Oh my god, is it happening? This is, it's happening. This is the number one card from Neon Dynasty Draft. And he made fun of me for so long for suggesting cards like this. Number one card by 17 lands data. Jugan defends the temple. Step three mana, two and a green. Enchantment Saga. First step, create a 1-1 one, one human monk creature with add green, tap to add green. Step two, put a plus one plus one counter on each of up to two target creatures. Step three, it transforms into a 2-2 two, two flying creature that whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may pay X. If you do, put X counters on this creature. And as long as it is modified, no, as long as you control five or more modified creatures, it, the remnant of the rising star, the other side of Shuga Defensive Temple gets plus five plus five. And it has Trample. What a weird card. 
So this is one that actually doesn't transfer over to Constructed. Uh, this one I actually don't think will work in Constructed because the reason it, it's so game-breaking in Limited is because in Limited you have all the time in the world to pour extra mana into this distributing counters and stuff, and you will eventually get the 7-7 Flying Trample. In Constructed, I don't think you will get that. This card reminds me of El Raindraft All-Star, the choo-choo flash creature that whenever you cast a non-creature, you may, you got to pay X to make it grow, and it's even better than that. Oh, the Wildborn Preserver? I put that card on the list of like potential flashcards. I saw it, I saw Friday it. Show. I saw it and got happy about it because it won me my first my first ever winning upper release was when I played what the owner of the LCS described of Temur constructed deck in the pre release. Because I had Oko, Royal Science, Royal um the Fisting Troll King and the Preserver in my Timur deck. Oh my god. It was such an easy five ball. <laughs> I, like against that poor guy, I went turn two Gilded, turn one Gilded Goose, turn two Oko, turn three Royal Science. At that very least, <laughs> no, no, no. It was I had never gotten such a funny five zero, but, but so that, that preserver has a place in my heart. Yeah, David seems really high on this list. Thailand of Ministry felt at least for him much better than Singitaxias, and in his new build, he's proposing Chandra Torch of Defiance, which has the additional effect that if you're not comboing off, you can go turn two Careful Cultivation. Turn 3 Chandra, turn 4 Titan of Industry. Just hardcast. I have two reactions to this. The first is that I, I have been hoping that Titan of Industry would not become the real deal, so then I would I don't want to have to learn what this card does. It's got too many options. 4-4. Four, four. Shield counter. Naturalize. 5 life. And I choose... 2. What, 2 of those? 2 cannot be the same. So it's 7-7 seven, seven for 7. Reach, trample, ETB, pick 2 of that random stuff you just said. 4-4, four, four, divine, um, divine shield counter, shield counter. Gain fire life, naturalize. 11-11, naturalize. <laughs> I'm gonna take your word for this. <laughs> Alright, eventually I'll learn what that card does, but the other thing you just casually slipped in that no one you knew liked Obnixilis. Is that true? So... There's this group of people that we have... There's this WhatsApp from the LCS that we have a lot of memes on. And there's this guy that I always argue a lot because he just loves Shan. He's one of the old players. He keeps saying Liliana... We keep memeing about him saying Liliana the Bale is the best card in the format and whatever. And he really said Omnicinus was going to be amazing. He was on the track that it was going to pass the format. And today, 9am, he sends, Everybody, before Emmy gets wa- Emmy wakes up, I think Omnicinus might actually be bad, except in a shell-type in a sack type shell. Please send more messages before Emmy wakes up and series. I have four Obnix lists for sale. <laughs> Please, somebody buy them from me. Like, everybody that had trust in the card has gone ahead. I have seen a Spirit Pack saying he wouldn't play it. I saw Canister say he didn't like it. I saw Demonic Tutor say he wouldn't play it aside as a one-off, maybe in Yogmoth. I have seen literally anyone I have heard talk about the card say it was not good enough because people disregarded the fact which is the thing I said when the card got spoiled if you have a Tarmogoyf that's alive you are winning that game if you have a Ragavan that's alive you are winning that game you don't want to kill that Ragavan to maybe win the game you are winning <laughs> the game the price agrees with you it's fallen from 85 tickets to like 40 tickets in the past couple days I'm not gonna say it's. I'm talking about Pioneer and Modern, of course. Not Standard, not any format I swear I have no idea on. Sacrificing a creature is a lot more than people think sacrificing a creature is at first sight. Like, in the theoretical Christmas world, it's perfect. But then you're like, why do I not... Like, my Ragavan is alive in turn 2, and it has connected. Why am I sacrificing said Ragavan? So the path forward is the Dwarven Mind strategy. (laughs) 
I mean, exa that's exactly what people say. Like, I'm not saying the card is terrible or unplayable. I think it's not Oko, it's a role player in sacrifice strategies. Where you want to sacrifice stuff or sacrificing stuff is easy, you want a 3-mana Planeswalker that's actually quite good when you want to sacrifice stuff. However, when you're playing a deck that Shan that goes into top deck mode and relies on every top deck being efficient on its own and you do a 3-mana Planeswalker that has the ability of a Planeswalker that costs 1, it's aggressively medium if you don't get to sacrifice for it. So when this Jun transmogrify list, we are not a sacrifice deck. We're just looking for tokens and Ob is one of many token makers. Exactly, and that's exactly... So what I have heard the most about Ob is... You cannot just slam Ob into anything. Ob is a good card in a deck that relies about what Ob cares about. Hmm. Ob is not a good. Ob is not an amazing. Ob, Ob is not Oko. Oko was the opposite. Oko went where Oko wanted. <laughs> you wanted Oko burn, you got it. You wanted Oko control, you got it. You wanted Oko mid range, you got it. You just played Oko. I remember an article that said. What uh, Oko teamer pre release deck? You, you got that. Do you know how good Oko is at Burial is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's exactly what I mean. Omnixilis is amazing where it's good and it's aggressively medium or decent because I don't. I think if they played a two-mana Planeswalker that was Omnixilis without the casualty, it would be unplayable. That bad, huh? I mean, imagine you played two, your Omnixilis and turned it was a two-mana Planeswalker. I would fear Brennan Six a lot more than I would fear a single Omnixilis. All right, I feel like we've learned important lessons. We're still early in the format, right? So this is only week, what, two, three? I don't know what week it is of the season, but, you know, results are starting to trickle in. We're finally able to get our hands on these cards. You know, I've been so curious about Obnixilis. It looks like we're going to have ample opportunities to rent it more cheaply in the coming weeks, but I'm not going to give up on the card yet. I, th I think it is still intriguing. I think it's an intriguing card. Like, I would play decks with that card. I would really enjoy a Rakdos Sacrifice with that card. Just make sure to not force that card into stuff, but rather give it a place in a brew around in a brew where it fits. Which is what we tend to do, of course, but people didn't do that during the first week, right? They just feed up Nixilis into stuff and Yogmoth of Nixilis, shoot of Nixilis, shoot Mirror Feed of Nixilis. They just went like, okay, let's see where it fits. <laughs> and the other and the only place where anybody said it was decent was Spike in his Ragdos list, because it clearly does what the deck wants you to do. And it's also the only deck featuring a devil in the main deck. Oh, yeah. That's the key. That's the key. I mean, I made it, they made it the main deck. All right. So we've learned our lessons. We've got more to discover this week. We're going to be testing Ledger Shredder. And we'll see what next week brings. Exactly. Maybe we will finally get our three-year anniversary party. Or maybe we'll just talk about a random card and forget that ever happened. Only time will tell. All right. Thanks, Emmy. Thanks, Take man. care. See you Bye. next time. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode and want to know more about our latest brews, you can support us via Patreon, which will grant you immediate access to our Discord, where you can not only find our faceless brewers, but also an army of mind-like players, hoping to find their perfect brew. Finally, remember to tune in next week for some Obscura brews, and join us as we take a look at the final contestant of the monthly project, Shoran of the Skulls. Have a nice night, and stay safe. <laughs>